From Infinite Guest, this is Top Score, a weekly visit with contemporary composers and musicians who make video game soundtracks. I'm Emily Reese. So two years ago, I know it's been two years, but two years ago, a game called Fez came out. And the soundtrack to Fez is absolutely amazing. It blew my mind, and I love every single second of it. Every time I hear it, I hear something new. Rich Vreeland is the man who wrote the score, although he goes by the pseudonym Disasterpiece. Rich and the Fez team worked really hard to create new ways to implement music into a game. I spoke with Rich about his 8-bit era music and what he's working on these days. Well, thanks so much for taking time out of your schedule to do this. I appreciate that very much. Oh, my pleasure. Let's start with a quick overview of the game itself. Can you tell me a little bit about what happens while you're playing Fez? Sure. So in the game Fez, the game is a a platformer. So you're controlling this little character named Gomez, who is moving around, you know, jumping on platforms. But there's this very unique mechanic in Fez where the game doesn't have any depth perception. So things that are really far away look like they're very close. You, you know, you're viewing the world in two dimensions, but you can rotate it at 90 degree intervals to kind of quickly see the world in three dimensions and to have things that are very far away suddenly become very close to you. You use this mechanic to move through the world. That's the core mechanic of the game, and that's how you are able to move through. So since it's such a vital part of the game, this idea of kind of taking advantage of the 3D-ness, but seeing everything in 2D, how did that kind of dichotomy affect your music? Well, one thing we talked about is that in the very beginning of the game, you don't have the ability to rotate from two dimensions to three dimensions. So the music there is a little bit different than the music in the rest of the game. There's sort of this this shift, this pivotal shift very early on where your character receives the ability to rotate. And once that happens, the music opens up aesthetically and becomes more rich, more effects and more of that sort of thing to kind of reflect that change in the music. little about the implementation of the music, because this can make or break a soundtrack in many, many ways. And the implementation in Fez was unique, wasn't it? Absolutely. We were fortunate enough to have a system in place that we could modify, and I was fortunate enough to get to work with a programmer in Renault Bedard who was very passionate about audio. So we worked very closely to create additional mechanics for the, the audio tool in the game so that we could do really interesting things. And we, we came up with a lot of different tools. One of the things that we did is that the game knows what time of day it is, and the music can change depending on which quarter of the day you're currently in. 
So the music may be one way in the morning and it may be another way at midday and another way in the evening and so forth. This is one of the systems that we use to create more variety in the music and to keep things fresh. And we use that quite a bit and that's just one of maybe a dozen or so ideas that we were able to implement. a little bit of a a talk you gave that you posted on your blog and right in the beginning you talk about something that I suppose is one of the reasons why video games are are so great these days. You talk about creating a strong narrative and I'm ripping your language exactly creating a strong narrative with locational music in a non-linear game. Can you expand on that a little bit? Sure. It's, It's an interesting conundrum because the game is experienced out of order and yet you're still trying to capture the feeling of a place and also capture the context regardless of when the player is there. So at times that can be difficult. At other times it doesn't, it doesn't matter as much and it's more important just to focus on you know, what that experience is like when the player is in that area. So we used a lot of locational music in the places that were to be experienced non-linearly. But we also used a lot of music that's contextual. There are certain areas that while they are a location, they're always experienced at a certain point in the story. Like there's an area right after you leave your home village. And the first time you leave the village, we really wanted to capture a certain feeling there. Like the character was, you know, leaving behind everything he knew and venturing out into this big world. there's a unique piece of music there that only happens the first time you leave the village. You seem to have put way more thought into this than just, hey, I want to write a bunch of songs that fit together. You know, like you could, I think, phone it in on a soundtrack. You have to have a certain amount of ability. But nonetheless, you seemed to go that extra mile. Is that just a part of who you are? Or was that, did that just make sense for the game? I think it's both. I think I'm incapable of not trying really hard to make everything fit together in a cohesive way. It's part of what keeps me going and keeps my interest in these projects, keeps me inspired. And if I'm not doing that, then I'm going to get bored. I have to be proud of what I'm doing and feel like I'm doing the best job that I can. Tell me about some of the risks you feel you took on the Fez score, or perhaps some new techniques that you hadn't dabbled with much. You know, Fez is one of the first games that I worked on, so a lot of the things that I did in Fez were new to me. A lot of the implementation things that we did were pipe dreams that I had that I had never had the chance to actually implement. It was a dream project for me, 
and we got to do lots of cool things. Just one example of a cool thing that we got to do is in this one section of the game, which is a graveyard, and it's raining, and there's thunder, and there's lightning, and I wanted to capture that feeling of uncertainty and unpredictability in the music. So we devised a system that would allow the music to be comprised of these big, bombastic chords. that have these long tails, and the tails are full of these little plinky sounds that kind of resemble rain. The time it takes to move from one of these chords to the next chord is completely random within a range. So when you're playing the game, you, know, you don't know exactly when the music is going to progress. And in that way, I think we were successful in capturing some of the uncertainty of being in a thunderstorm. Let's talk about the song Glitch. Can you tell me how you made that song or where the material, rather, where the material for that song came from? Yeah, Glitch was a very cool one-off type of song. I took elements from a lot of the other songs in the game and tried to create this Frankenstein piece of music. And the reason for that is the glitch song, it happens in this, this one special level. And when you enter it, it's full of tiles, like all the different kinds of artwork that make up the game, but in a single room. And they're all flickering and moving around, and you're trying to navigate this crazy space. So in, in a way, it has this sensory overload type of feel to it. And I felt that creating a mashup of the other music would, would tie into that idea in a very good way. drums and bass from one song and I think I actually reversed it and then I took some motifs from some of the other tracks and I just kind of started you know molding this patchwork and it luckily for me I think it turned out pretty well. One of my personal favorites and I think you actually use some of this in Glitch is the track called Sync. Do you use some of Sync in Glitch? Sync actually is the foundation of Glitch because I used the drums and the bass from Sync. And then I, I kind of reversed it and changed the order of some of the parts. But in a way, Sync and Glitch kind of became this, uh, this suite, this one-two pack. And on the soundtrack, they appear one after the other. The puzzle music is kind of interesting as well. Can you tell me a little bit about the puzzle rooms and how, how you did the music for that? The puzzles in Fez, a lot of them happen underground, but they tend to have the same form. You know, they, they use these purple blocks. They all kind of have this similar feel to them. I thought it would be cool to create a big set of musical ideas that were interlocking.
what I did is I created sets for the different times of day and each set has different musical ideas in it that are different lengths. Some of them take the place of a bass sound. Some of them are more of a supplemental element or a melody or chords. And all of these things are triggered in a nonlinear way. So instead of just having a simple loop that plays continuously, the puzzle music is made up of 27, I think it's 27, different short musical ideas that are triggered um, using this logic system. The idea was basically to play something and then wait a certain number of bars and then play it again. So all of the different musical ideas kind of adhere to that form. And the result is this piece of music that is always changing. It always has the same vibe, but it's always a little bit different. It's always interesting, I think, to listen to a soundtrack stationary independent of the game as a result because of course when you're playing Fez that music is going to sound different every time and then you listen to the soundtrack and it's of course similar but uh, but it's never quite what it was when you played the game. Yeah, it's really tough. I mean, I've talked to some colleagues of mine, and uh, you know, Austin Wintery, who did the music for Journey, among other games, always talks about this, how difficult it can be to take a set of musical ideas from a game that are nonlinear and try to wrangle them into this single piece of music that is capturing the essence of that music. And what I tried to do with Puzzle was make sure that I used all the different ideas from the game, from the music in the game, and just craft the experience of hearing those over the course of a single day in the game. You know, one of the other interesting things is actually the sync track on the soundtrack. The sync music in the game is in this very special level that has these platforms that appear and disappear and they generate music. And those platforms are a big part of the musical experience of that level. But the way that the platforms work is there are so many of them and they get louder and quieter as you move towards them and further away from them. And each platform is generating a different note. So when I, it came time to make the soundtrack and I was trying to figure out, man, how am I going to take this crazy idea with all these platform sounds and incorporate it into the music? I tried for a really long time and I was unsuccessful in incorporating it. And then when the soundtrack came out, the number one complaint was, oh, man, Sync, it's my favorite track. You know, why, why didn't you include the platform sounds? I was really disappointed. So I ended up paying some lip service to the fans about a year later when we did a remix album and I made another version where I tried really hard to get those platform sounds to fit, somehow made it work.
Frederick Chopin. Let's talk about him for a second. Because, yeah, yeah, you are a fan, clearly. I am a fan of Chopin, yeah. So how did that end up getting in the game? Because from what I understand, Beethoven might have made it too. He might have. Yeah, so Phil Fish, who is the designer for Fez, originally had the idea of using Moonlight Sonata as the piece of music that plays in the very end game sequence. And I was into the idea of using a classical piece, but I felt like that particular piece was a little too common, a little too overplayed, but also it didn't quite have the feeling that I wanted. It was close. And I think the piece that we used, that prelude in, I think it's E minor, Mm -hmm. that piece, uh, you know, it has something of a similar feel to it, to Moonlight Sonata, but it's, I think it's a little darker. the piece that they played at Chopin's funeral. So in that way, it kind of makes sense. But uh, we, we tried to extrapolate that feeling and kind of give it a different underpinning. this like spiraling sort of mesmerizing melancholy to it and I felt that that really captured the end of the game um, because you're, the game is kind of opening up and you're learning a lot about the world but there's also a hint of sadness about the fact that well this is a spoiler so it's been two years cover, it's okay cover your yeah it's been two years <laughs> it's been two years I think it's okay <laughs> yes yes you know towards the end the player will realize that the world is a facsimile it's not real and that sort of realization I found to be a little disappointing, uh, just on an emotional level. So I felt like that piece of music did a good job to capture that. Before we leave Fez, like we just mentioned, this game came out in early 2012, and it's now almost late 2014. Did you ever imagine you'd still be talking about Fez this long (laughs) after the project? To be honest, I haven't talked about Fez in an interview, at least for for a while. I suppose, um, yeah, I guess I'm late, (laughs) late to the party. In a lot of ways, Fez has been the seminal moment for me in my career. Before Fez and after Fez, there's such a stark contrast for me. I've just been really fortunate to have work these last couple of years since Fez came out. You know, I still look at Fez as kind of one of the best examples for me where I feel like I really did the best job that I could and I'm proud of the work that we did. Tell me how you chose your name, Disaster Peace. 
Well, I've always been obsessed with making things, coming up with names and ideas. And when I was little, I used to make up fake companies and do all kinds of silly things. So um, I really wanted to come up with a name for my music. And I was always into wordplay and trying to be clever with language. So I came across the word masterpiece. And then I was like, oh, disaster piece. <laughs> and uh, for about a year or so, it was P-I-E-C-E. And then it, it dawned on me one day that uh, if it was P-E-A-C-E, it would kind of be this, you know, these two ideas that are somewhat opposite to each other. And that made me like it even more. So <laughs> <laughs> it's been, wow, it's been uh, 10 years, I guess. And I've still been rocking it. So I don't think I'll be giving it up anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> Good. project called January. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, January was my excuse to make something that is kind of a game, but not really. And it, what it ended up becoming is, um, is a music tool, albeit a very unorthodox tool. It's a sandbox. It has a side-scrolling environment. You control this little man or woman. It's kind of ambiguous. And then, um, you know, it's snowing and there are all these different kinds of snowflakes. And the different snowflakes when you lick them, generate music. And different kinds of snowflakes allow you to do different things musically. There are certain snowflakes that will play chords. There are others that will play harmony notes on the, the note that you just licked. There are snowflakes that will generate octaves, key changes. You know, the, the more that I worked on it, the more I would have these ideas. Oh, we could we, I could try this, I could do this thing. And um, there are all these features now where you can like create these little musical sequences and loop them and then move them through different keys. And there's even an autopilot mode, so you can let it run and you can go about your business and you have a nice little procedural music background. <laughs> I'm slowly working through my backlog of projects. Uh, I'm working on four games right now. I'm excited about opening myself up to a new chapter, I think, for me. I've been writing songs for the last year or so now, and um, I'm going to start performing in the fall. Really? Yeah, and I'm actually talking about coming to Minnesota, actually. <laughs> really? Oh, good. To the Twin Cities. Yeah. Oh, cool. Cool. That's good news. I'm glad to hear it. Well, wow. Good luck. So this would be you performing. When you say that, do you mean like you're on a stage with a guitar or you're on a stage with synths or what, what you got going on when you perform? So I have a piano at home and all these songs I've written at the piano. I'm kind of leaning in that direction towards just doing piano, but I'm open to, you know, using synths too. I'm still kind of figuring all that out. But the plan is to start performing a bit and, you know, meeting people and traveling a bit. And maybe next year get a record out with some songs on it. It'll be funny. I've released, let's see, 40 albums. And this would be my first album with singing on it. <laughs>
thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. Yep. Have a great afternoon. You too. All right. Bye. Bye-bye.